Hello and welcome to episode two of Talking Strength. Um, today I got to sit down with Sam Hall. Um, he is owner of Ethos Strength down in Adelaide. Um, this man's doing some great things within the strength community and powerlifting community in Australia, and um, I would definitely put him put him out there as as one of the the best currently around in terms of coaching and education. Um, I'm privileged enough to have met him, you know, just over a year ago and um, get to chat to him, you know, all things strength related and uh, business as well, um, whenever I kind of need to. Um, and yeah, very, very privileged to have him on as the first guest of the show. Um, we kind of dive into all things strength and powerlifting, a um, little bit into Sam's injury history and obviously, you know, being able to relate to that from from where I've come from and, and we kind of just sit down and have a good chat. Um, Sam's got some mentorship programs that he's currently taking into intake for, um, doing really, really good things with that. He's got a few seminars that he's running in person around Australia as well as an online um, like mentorship program that he runs and I'm hearing really great things about that. So if you guys want to jump on Instagram, it's ethos strength. Um, give him a follow, like reach out to him. He's a really good coach. If you're looking for someone specifically around powerlifting and strength and conditioning, um, he's definitely someone that I would suggest. And yeah, he's, uh, as I said, he's opening up a, a new facility within Adelaide. So if you're in Adelaide, reach out. I, uh, I don't think he would go wrong being coached under him or, or the coaches that he has working for him. Um, yeah, sit back and enjoy. And thanks again for listening. When I injured my back, yeah, there was a couple of like, you know, after I got over the initial pain and shock of it, when I'm like, oh man, I've really hurt myself yeah. um, pretty significantly here. Um, my initial thought was like, I don't know enough about this. I need to start figuring it out because I... You know, I, I had the um, fortune of working with a really great physio. At the same time, like, I will get a lot more out of my physio work with um, Anthony Hawke in Adelaide if I have a better understanding of this too. Like, I'll have more skin in the game. Yeah. I'll, I'll be able to sort of execute at a higher level. I'll be able to read the signs a little earlier. Um, and, and just get some better understanding of it. And you, I think like... You, you took it as a chance to learn. That's that's basically what you did. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. yeah, because it's like, why did this happen? Like, how, how did this come about? Why is it sticking around longer than any other injury that I've ever had? You know, what what's what's really happening with it? And I, I, I couldn't answer any of those questions. And it was just like, figure it out. Like, you know, now, now you got to find out that yeah. stuff. Like, if you're, you don't know. You're, you're in the deep end and now it's like, okay, swim. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's right. Like, figure it out. Let's, let's see what we can do. Because, like, there, there was realistically no other option. And I feel like I had a lot of time on my hands at that point, too. I'm like, well, I can't really train. So, let's study a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's basically where you then develop that that knowledge i suppose from that side you had the time you're like oh fuck let's let's dive into it let's let's devote as much time into it as possible because well i'm here and i'm not going to give up and i think that's part of that mentality that you know i i would say that i have from that side mm -hmm. and and many of the other people we surround ourselves with have that same mentality it's like yeah we're not just here to give up no and if if we give up it's like well what's the point anymore and i th a lot of that i saw um in my own career in terms of like the environment that I was put into when I was powerlifting. And I think that comes from strength training or powerlifting quite a lot of the times. It, it It's more than just training. It's more than just like reps and sets in the gym. It's like I got harder at life yeah. because, and without saying like there's that stupid, you know, like meme and shit that goes around. It's like, oh, you know, 200 pounds on your back if you can like stand up with that you can stand up with anything yeah, yeah exactly yeah. it's like, oh, it's like oh, I get it but it's like it does make sense because going through those heavy training cycles going through all of that that 
th- that environment changed my life completely yeah. and I wouldn't be where I was and I wouldn't have gone through the, the shit that I did go through without that. And I think, you know, like we were saying, it's, it's you got put in a position where you could have chosen to just back off and not do anything about mm. it. Or you could go, this is a learning experience. It's like, I could become better at this and actually by doing that, I'm going to make sure that I speed up the rehab or speed yeah. up the process or you know like you're saying be able to execute the movements better yeah. with, with your physio and along those things and i think it's taking that perspective or that look on on it and and that makes you good at what you do mm. you know like you yeah like what well, there's like so so much of a well like you said like powerlifting strength training it does become more than just sets and reps you know it's not just something like oh what am I doing today, boss? Like, you know, you, you go in and you, you've got some skin in the game and, and it's like the consequence of me stopping this is significantly greater than what I have to gain by simply sort of learning from it and, and moving past it. Because it's like if I stop, I have to reassess who I am as a coach. I have to reassess sort of my whole life thesis at this point yeah you know there, there's so much of uh who i am that's wrapped up in in what i do and even that in itself is like one of the takeaways from being injured is like hey like maybe you uh need to find some things that identify you outside of your sport as well which is also going to probably keep you in your sport for a bit longer so i mean that that's it's a good good thing that you bring that up and it's it's uh, i see it in the industry a lot and i see it especially around powerlifting and i personally went through it myself mm. but a question with it that i'm going to ask you is like we see a lot of people who identify with powerlifting because it gives them an identity yeah i am a powerlifter i am a powerlifter yeah. it's like that's what they say to you know they squat bench deadlift in the gym it's like i powerlift yeah. i am a powerlifter and it's like well no you're a human being you're yeah. sam <laughs> yeah, i'm james yeah. it's like you do the exercises that constitute powerlifting mm. of squat, bench, deadlift. And I think I, I fell down the hole. I remember being injured and, and looking at going, it's like, I, I'm not a powerlifter anymore. Like, what what do I do? What am I? What yeah. am like, like, literally going through that process, like, what am I? And the flip side of that is, and I've, I've spoken about it a few times before, it's like, I almost then took the identity of my pain. Yeah. And that, I think, is even worse than the identity of a powerlifter yeah. from that side because I see a lot of people take on that identity of pain and, and they wallow in it and, and they they live their pain. Well, it's like whenever we... Um, is going to throw it back to studying philosophy in uni here. It's finally coming in handy. Yeah, there it is. Um, you, you, whenever you define something, it, it's essentially like we, we create belief systems um, you, you don't essentially define yourself as a power lifter. What you, you're only defining yourself as a power lifter in opposition to everything else outside of power lifting. So it's like you only become a power lifter by ignoring everything else around power lifting. You, yeah. don't, you don't become a power lifter because it's the thing that you love. You become a power lifter because you ignore everything else. And yeah. so it's like power, you're a power lifter because it's defined in its opposition to everything else. And so when power lifting is gone and you're injured, I guess the next closest thing you have is pain. It's like I experience pain every day and it's not the best thing for me, but it is an easy belief system to start to structure around and I don't think it's in any way healthy, but I think that's what happens is because it's like so close to you on a daily basis that people start to um, identify with it. And, you know, it, it's really hard to not do that. I, I wouldn't blame anyone for doing that. I, I completely understand when people sort of start to fall into the the sort of mental habit of being in pain. I'm really trying to select my language well here because I don't want to make it sound as though people convince themselves of being in pain because pain is a very real phenomenon it's subjective but it's a very real thing that people experience but you know i i think that we would have that have that happening less if we were sort of i don't know maybe just taking a less extreme approach to the sport in general Uh, you know it's like 
you, you don't need to sacrifice your entire life to become a, a power lifter. Like it, it should, I, I just it, don't think it's that's not, particularly It's not helpful. going to war every t- competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's like, right. I'm going to kill it. And yeah, like, like this, this is it, man. Like this is it. And I think, you know, even just having conversations with people around like, don't push through the pain. Like you, you've got a body and it's great if you can bounce back in your early 20s because you can bounce back from fucking everything. But... Kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> kind, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> sort of. But like, eventually you pay, like, rent is due. But, you know, when when you're 50, 60, uh, those, those things start to add up more. So it's like not every competition is the last competition you'll ever go in. You, you don't need to sacrifice your body in order to compete. Do you need to push yourself to some extent? Yes. But, you know, I think we just need a better understanding of the experience of pain. We, we probably need a bit of bit more empathy around our, those experiences of pain that people go through. And then we need to be able to start to pass that through a better filter so that we can have more constructive communication with them around powerlifting and, and strength training and how you can do it for a very long time without necessarily hurting yourself. Because I think like one of the bigger strikes against powerlifting and this is certainly something that I fell into it's it's like one of the great things but also one of the one of the less helpful things is this idea of like you you got to want it more and like you don't want it bad enough you're not disciplined enough and I think like that's great because it's really easy to understand and it gets you fired up but it doesn't leave a lot of room for nuance when things don't go Go your way. way yeah it's like when the wheels fall off. It's like then what? Yeah, it's like that. That's it, it. It's and I agree with you. I I think it's um, it's something that I saw in powerlifting as well. It's like it's very easy to identify with, and that's why I think a lot of people have that identity yeah. around. It's like I can go in and like give it everything. And who doesn't want to do that, right? Like who doesn't want to be just this like unit that goes in yeah. and like banging and clanging, you know, <laughs> like just 100%. getting it done. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I've had, I had a discussion with someone at um, the gym that I was training at maybe three weeks ago, uh, an older gentleman. I don't want to say an old guy. He was probably on like mid fifties, 60 sure. around that. Yeah. Pretty, pretty jack dude. And yep. kind of um, strong from what he was doing. And we, br- we struck up a conversation and we we're going into it and he was, you know, he was, sh- he was shaking his head at some younger guys, like going really hard at training. And he, and he just turned and he looked at me and said, strength is a long-term game. Yep. That's all he said. He put his headphones back in and he carried on training. <laughs> it's like, like, boom. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> that just drops the mic. And I was just like, he's right. I remember having the conversation with like my training partners and coaches from the time. And all that. It's like, the pursuit of strength is a long-term thing. Yeah. And I think part of the problem that I've seen and, and, I'll probably attest to it from that as well. It's like chasing those big numbers right from the get-go, like coming out of the gates, like firing as hard as you can, but not understanding that you've got 20 years to yeah, to put on 10 kilos in your squat every year. If you put on 10 kilos in your squat every year for the next 20 years, it's like you're going to squat big numbers. Well, you know, like um, my coach, Avi, he was having a conversation with you know, Matt Gary. He's like Ray Williams, um, game day coach a lot of the time. He's one of the head coaches for USAPL. Yes. Um, He was like, if I could guarantee you, I think like, I don't even know what, 22 kilos on your, uh, 22 kilos on your total every single year, would you take it? Would you say yes? It's like, of course I would. That sounds sick. (laughs) He's like, okay, it's a two and a half kilo PR on all three lifts three times a year. He's like, that's it. I'm like, God damn you, Matt yeah, Gary. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you just you took the wind out of my sails yeah. completely. But it's true, right? It's like, what's the rush? Why, why are you trying to well, I rush think, here? I think it's because we live in a society that isn't willing to, one, wait for the reward. Well, it's not a particularly sexy idea either, right? No, like it's not. It like, doesn't sell. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't sound cool to be like, oh, you know, I squatted 125 today, and in a year's time, I squatted 130, for yeah. example, to give you an idea. It's it's, as you say, it's not sexy, so it's not going to sell. It's like I'd rather go in, hammer myself, like make that 20 kilo jump in the in the initial phase, and then and then what? 
Yeah. They're like, what? What? We, like, we you know, the, you can only squeeze so much juice out of a lemon, right? And so it's like the, the newer you are to training, y- yes, your sort of like potential response to training stimulus is going to be a lot higher as in the, the sort of the, the door is open wider and the longer you train, that door just kind of like starts to slowly close. Yeah. But your capacity to tolerate load is way lower. And yeah. so, you know, the, the candle that burns twice as bright um, burns half as long, yeah. right? And so that's just always how I see it. I'm like, dude, don't don't rush. Like, don't rush this. Like, so you got time. How do you then um, structure, if you get a new client and your, your guys that you then work with, how do you... How do you instill that philosophy that you're creating? Because that's that's basically what it is. It's a philosophy yep. of strength over time, is what it kind of yeah. sounds like. And it's, you know, like I think there's only certain coaches who will understand that when they've been through um, the negative effects of chasing mm. those big numbers. And yeah. That, I, that's basically what I, w- I see it as. It's like there's only certain coaches who will be able to relay that type of information to their clients to be like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. It's like yeah. you've got got the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. It's like let's get you moving well. Let's get you feeling good. Let's get you hitting, you know, decent numbers, good numbers, numbers for what yep. w- what is progression for you, without the wheels falling off the bus. It's like mm-hmm. how do you how do you approach that conversation? Well, I I I, I mean I think for the most part people kind of at, at, at this point people know what they're gonna get from me anyway because I, I talk a lot and I I talk about this stuff a lot, but the way I communicate it to a lot of them is, you know, there's there's going to be another meet. Like, there's always going to be another meet, but you've only got one body. So let's think about this. You know, let's let's play the long game here, and I can guarantee you that you will get stronger. Yeah, I can't necessarily guarantee how many kilos you will put on in you know the space of i don't know uh, a year i i'm not going to sit here and tell you that i can guarantee that but what i can guarantee you is if you show up you train you will get stronger like i know that for a fact and so with a lot of people it, it's just I, I think it's just a lot of little things like you know telling them don't push for don't push for the PR. Like I, uh, one of the biggest and most important messages that stands out to me is like PRs don't win meets, totals do. Yeah. And so you don't necessarily need to hit PRs on all lifts to win the meet. No. So somebody can come out and smoke like a, a 50 kilo squat PR and then be absolutely crushed for bench and deadlift and you can still beat them. 100%. So, so you it's can just kind of... long game. Yeah, exactly. It's a long you game can just sneak through. Yeah. Yep, you can sneak through and still win meets. And it's like the goal of powerlifting isn't a PR. The goal of powerlifting is to win. Yeah. Okay. So we focus on winning. That's that's what we do. We win meets. Yeah. Right. We we go in to win. We don't go into PR. If you go into PR, great. Like if we pull some PRs out of the hat, fantastic. But that's not the goal. That's like the the symptom. Yeah. It's that's the, the byproduct. Yeah. yeah. But it's not what we're chasing. What we're chasing is nine for nine because the the probably the biggest philosophy, like you said that we approach training with is building momentum. It's all a process of building momentum. Wins create the habit of winning. Yeah. And so every time we win, you know, even when you lose, you you, you do powerlifting long enough, you'll have a shit day. You absolutely will. You, you'll come in, your peak week would be perfect. Everything would be like on point. Your your RPs are there. Everything's there. And you'll just turn up and it'll go to shit. Yeah, you're like, what even happened? It's just... But <laughs> You know, things, like eh? you, you compete for long enough, something like that will happen. It's okay. But we always want to be in the habit of, of winning. You know, success leaves clues and it's all about looking at those clues and then just building over time. And, and it, we see with the, those wins, it's like the buy-in of the clients that then occurs. Yeah, that as that's, well. that's the biggest thing, right? So it's like when people... Uh, you know, I used to do this. I used to peak people really hard, too hard. It's like throw volume at this person and they'll somehow get stronger, maybe. And maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, I reckon they'll peak. But when it's like, what's the point of giving somebody a, a I don't know, like um, putting 20 kilos on all their lifts 
But then the day after the competition, they just feel broken. Yeah. Like, what? what is that perception for that person? I think it, it's going to go one of two ways where it's like the person will be like, I can't do that again. Like, I can't put myself through that. I hate peaking. I'm miserable. It's a really traumatic experience for me. Or they'll be like, pain is normal. I guess this is what we do. And both of those to me are just oh, like nightmare negative. scenarios. And it's funny you say that. Like, uh, you, you start talking about that, that broken after that peaking and throwing volume. It's like, I was imagining my my second uh, national championships. I remember the day after, like I, I took I took third place as a um, a junior, so under twenty one in like the the opens division. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember waking up the next day and being like, I'd been hit by a bus. I've, like this, I'm done. This yeah. is, <laughs> I just sat there. I remember like waking up in the room and sitting there and being like, what What the fuck happened? Yeah. Like that's, and it's funny you say that. I and. I've never really thought about it from that side. I, I didn't have, there was no thought process of like, oh, I'll just give up on this there. Or like you say, it's like, that was normal. It's like, yeah. oh, well, this is it. Like yeah. your body's guess, supposed like, to like, feel this like is that. powerlifting, right? I guess this is it. And uh, I'm not saying that, um, you know, you aren't going to be a bit uh, tender the day after. Yeah, meet. Like yeah. it, You've pulled maximal loads. Like you're going to be tender, but there's a difference between being tender and being absolutely shattered yeah. and, and, and annihilated from that side. And then it's like, from a programming perspective as well, obviously your programming changes a lot as a coach um, over the years, like so much. And so you, you have to start asking yourself the question, like why do I suddenly need to take like volume from like here to here in order to get somebody stronger? What's the purpose of all of these preceding blocks? What were you even doing at that point? Because the the purpose of those blocks, development cycles, training cycles, whatever you want to call them, you know, those blocks of training, the estimated 1RM should be going up block to block. Yeah. So why do you suddenly need to take people ra- up ramp the program. Mount Doom <laughs> when, you know, you could just give them another block and lead them into the meet? Yeah. Because they should be getting stronger. Yeah. If they're not, what are you doing? Yeah, you've done something wrong from yeah. that side. Or or. It might not even be a programming perspective. It could be like a lack of recovery. Like there, there's yeah. so many factors from that 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 you know we now know about um, in terms of the research, etc. It's like it's not necessarily it's not necessarily the the adaption to the program. It's like you may not have the adaption in your recovery. Like you you yeah you can be in a recovery deficit. Correct. Right? Yeah, for sure. And I think it's um it's it's that fine line of being a coach to understand all of those variables because. Mm-hmm. There's so many variables to start tracking and understanding from that side. And the more and more I go into it, the more and more I, I'm like, Fuck, there's more that we should be be looking at. There's yeah. more that we need to really like fine tune within the programs and, and go into that. And then there's definitely like a point where, you know, somebody will be like, I feel cooked. We're, you know, sometimes people just, they feel cooked in their training. It's like we're, we're still, you know, we're loading up your spine a lot. You know, it'll happen. Like you, you feel pretty tired. But for me, I would way rather, you know, if, let's say we're like a couple of weeks out of competition. If someone's like, I am desperately exhausted and I don't feel good. At that point, I would just rather just deload them completely and sort of let the chips fall where they may on yeah. meet day than tell them to push through. Because 100%. the the consequence of overtraining is way worse than the consequence of undertraining at that point. Yeah, and I think the difference is there is like, it's being able to have the communication with your client or athlete to, to truly understand what they're going through yeah. in that period. It's like, I know a lot of people who will, you know, say to me and be like, training so hard, like I'm exhausted when I wake up and all this is like, I'm overtraining. You're like, mm, not yet. No, yeah. you're, you're not. You yeah. No, you woke up this morning, you got out of bed, you're not overtraining. You're yeah. good. You're, you're fine. You're just tired. Um, it, it, you're just yeah. tired. And it's, it's, <laughs> You know, it's being able to navigate those different languages of each client because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you understand. Yeah. And that's that you have so many different clients that talk differently, that understand differently, yeah. that the communication process has to be different for everyone. I find it's not it's not a, a one person game, and that's uh, that's what separates you from being the coach that you are from the template based models that we see yeah. floating around. Unfortunately, and it's even like when someone. Uh, yeah, as a coach, I just feel like when when one of your clients or one of your athletes says, um, "Hey, man, like I'm I'm really not feeling good," your response should be 
in my opinion, to pick up the phone and check how they're doing. Like, hey, man, are you okay? 100%. Like, yeah. It shouldn't be, tell me about it in your check-in on Friday. Yeah. And then it, it's and that's one of the things I think we, we both do from that side in coaching. is like, if one of my athletes, it can be a, you know, I, I shouldn't say this, but it could be a Sunday and I, I'll get a message like, hey, I woke up and my hips are really not good. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to be on the phone trying to find out what's going on with that person yeah. straight away. It's like, because one, like I put that much value and you put that much value yeah. into your actual client's progression. Two, and the, one of the more important ones from my side, it's like, I've been in pain. You've yeah. been in pain. And because of that pain, we've developed that empathy and that understanding for like, I don't want anyone to ever go through what I went through. Well, that, and it's like you you know from going through that experience that the worst feeling is like uh, like like that feeling of sort of being adrift, that you don't have someone in your corner. Yeah, the helplessness. Yeah, the, the, exactly. The helplessness yeah. And, and of, of not, not having any support mm-hmm. or, or understanding of what's going on. Yeah. I think you know, you're really good at, at communicating that, that you know, um, time in your life that you went through and the, that understanding of what you've gone through with your athletes when, when and, and if it comes up. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, right? Because like chronic pain is, it, it, it is exactly that. And when you say chronic pain, I think people have this um, idea. They're like, oh, you know, like I've had aches and pains. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had a headache that wouldn't go away. And it's like, no, like this is unyielding pain. Yeah. Like, can't get up out of bed. Yep, lightning bolt yep. in your back and just 24-7. And I, I, I've said it before, it's like you, you don't have moments where you're not in pain. You just have moments where the pain is slightly less. Yeah, you're that, still in pain. That's it's exactly like, it. It, it. It's never gone. It's yeah. there. It's, it's, always, it's always there. Yep. It's just it's like I can bend down and tie my shoe today. Like, yeah, it's a good day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a win. Yep. Yeah. A- and like, y- you know what... I just look at it. It's like, what what do I have to gain by uh, not believing someone at this point? Like, if I don't take them at their word, what what possible motivation could I have here to to think that someone would be so dishonest about their state of being that they would lie to me about being in chronic pain? When it's like, let's assume that this person is lying. What am I doing in my programming right now that they want to lie to me about something that they don't like? They just want to lie to me and not do their exercise. Like again, it's like both of those scenarios are terrible for you as a coach. But I know that simply like telling someone when they're in chronic pain that you believe them. It's like I believe you. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's, let's acknowledge the elephant in the room. And here. they almost it almost dulls the pain straight there. Yeah. And it's like someone someone's supporting me. Someone's giving me attention. Yeah. And listening i think that was the the big thing for me when i was going through all of my stuff and and no one would listen to what i was saying i didn't i i wasn't necessarily looking for an answer because i i had kind of got to the realization that no one knew what was going on or they just sort of brush it off yeah like yeah man that sucks yeah and then like yeah it kind of sucks more than how you've just described it though yeah yeah and it's like you know I think you've built up a support system around you by working with the the physio and the the osteopath that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. I think as a coach, being able to rely on those other people around you, not just for your own well-being, but also for your athlete's well-being, it's like that's imperative. Like we should be able to, as personal trainers, refer out to these of clinicians and, and have a working relationship with clinicians to benefit your client. Yeah. Like that, that's the goal, is it not? It's like we all want to see people get better, like be pain-free, move better, lose weight, be healthier. Yeah. It's like, so why aren't we all working together? Yeah. I mean, like there's there's only been one time that I really butted heads with a clinician and it's because they um, said that, that there weren't even a client of mine at the time. I, I was just like, you know, unfortunately I, I couldn't, give this client what they needed in terms of resolution to their issues. But I was like, I will find someone that can help you though. Like God help me. I will find someone. And this clinician um, just said, Oh, it's non-specific and we'll just treat it like it's non-specific. I'm like, how can you treat anything like it's non-specific? That's a lack of treatment. It's like a non-treatment. It's like, what what does that mean? 
I'm going to treat it like it's non-specific. And so I dug my heels in on that and I was like, no, like you chase a specific diagnosis and then like if you have exhausted every resource on the known in the known universe, yeah. then I'll accept that it's it's non-specific. But until you've done that, like if you haven't even sent that person off for a scan, then I'm not saying get a scan day one. Yeah. What I'm saying is like if you've exhausted your sort of diagnostics and you're like, I don't know, don't say non-specific. Go get better information at yeah. that point. That's when a scan can be useful as long as it's being interpreted well. Yeah. That's when a scan is useful. Yeah, that, that's the exact point of of the scan at that point. I yeah. think it, it we know we know so many unfortunately we know so many uh, practitioners who the first thing you do when you walk in is you're going in x ray, you're getting a scan yeah. or something like that. And you know what it is, what it is, they've got to live with it from that side and I understand that. But it's like I don't think that's the first tool. It no. shouldn't be. It shouldn't be the first tool that comes out of the box. Like if it is, you need to upskill yourself. Yeah, because it's like any anyone that happens to listen to this, I can guarantee you that if you lift weights, if you got a scan of your back, you you would see some horrific things, yeah. right? And it's just like you you aren't your pain. You certainly aren't your your diagnosis because you how how you perceive pain and how your body produces these these sorts of signals of pain aren't always directly correlating to the amount of trauma that you have experienced they're not always the same thing so it's not like i have more pain therefore i've created more damage or i have no pain and therefore i have no, no damage, damage at all yeah it is just not that clear it's, it's not i mean i know people who walk around with slipped discs yeah yeah. say slipped disc and we understand why it's yeah like it, sure <laughs> <laughs> it's like slipped on a piece of ice yeah <laughs> but um, and they present with no pain there's, yep. there's no no pain they've got no discomfort they've got no limitations they squat they, they bench they deadlift they yeah. play with their kids they do everything it's like why is that person in that state and doing that but Peggy Sue who walks around who now needs to go and get a scan because she's got back pain mm-hmm. it's like well why don't we try a whole variety of different means before yeah. we even go down there? And I think that's where we have quite a few clients from that side. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, let's get our clients moving. Yeah. And and that's the practitioners that we tend to work with as well. It's like they get their clients moving. Yeah. Because movement breeds, you know, a, a lack of pain. It, it breeds process. And like you were saying mm-hmm. before, it's like that movement breeds winning. Yeah. So Success like, leaves clues, right? Like every exactly. time. So it's like, why aren't we doing that? Why isn't that the first thing that needs to be addressed or, or, or done from all sides? Yeah, I, I think that there's like this misunderstanding of like, certainly as a, a trainer, you should have a pretty high level of understanding of what's happening in the spine before you sort of just start doling stuff out. You know, there's like, I, I think there there's a lot of ideas that still get conflated quite poorly, like, oh, you need strong glutes for a, a healthy back. And then people are, like, loading themselves up um, on, like, the GHD and they're just hanging out horizontally. It's like, Jesus Christ, that's, like, a tremendous amount of sheer. Like, I don't know if that's the greatest idea. That's not what I was talking about when I said strength and strength. Yeah, yeah, but, but you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, well, glutes are good for backs. Therefore, do heaps of glute stuff. It's yeah. like, again, you got to understand how certain forces work, you know, you, you have to understand how how to um, how force is distributed through the spine, how force is, like, through the spine. How to uh, load influence. correctly for the joints yeah, yeah, and exactly. muscles. Yeah, exactly, like how the pelvis, um, you know, how your sacrum and your pelvis affect, you know, higher up the chain, how the rib cage affects lower down the chain. Like, all of those things are really important. At the same time, I think uh, on the uh, opposing end with clinicians, and I don't mean to offend any clinicians at all. I'm I'm gonna take <laughs> I'm gonna take the rap on this. Yeah. Is that you know sometimes I think that clinicians uh, maybe don't have as nuanced an understanding of weight training and strength training, and see it as just this sort of uh, very sort of basic understanding of strength training and think okay no that's not good. So you're right. I probably do agree with you that a, a barbell squat, bench and deadlift aren't good for that person in that situation. But you also have to understand that there is a, a massive spectrum of stuff that we can and Actually should yeah. be doing. Yeah. And I think it's it's also then maybe like the the the, the gradual um 
ability to move into those positions that needs to be looked at as well. Yeah. It's like, I'm not just going to take someone who's got back pain and like make them barbell squat. <laughs> Jesus Christ, no. No. Please I, don't. I'm definitely not. But I am going to make that person move. Yeah. Because I think that's very important to get them down that road. And maybe in a year's time, maybe in a month's time, they are barbell squatting. Yeah. Pain-free. And, and the movement around that is actually bettering them or, or mm. you know, creating the rehabilitative process or whatever you want to call but it from but that. But even so then, it's like, you know, uh, I'll, I'll get them barbell squatting if it makes sense yes. for them to barbell squat too. Yes. It's like most people don't probably don't even need to do it. No. Um, if they're a power lifter, yeah, absolutely. They need it for their sport. Un- unfortunately, that's yeah. the, that's <laughs> yeah, the, the first like one. Them's the brakes. Yeah. But yeah. Um, for a lot of people, they don't really need it and it's like pain pain is always this signal it's kind of like your your body just setting off these you know these like trails of smoke somewhere and it's up to you to start to follow those back to maybe not the source i feel like that's a really poor way of describing it but you know pain typically doesn't just happen and so dysfunction normal again normally because there are like crazy neurological issues where sometimes pain can just straight up happen but 99.99% of the people that you're going to be dealing with there's a reason why it's happening yeah and normally you can start to unwind it yeah and and it's being able to you know it's being able to problem solve around that and and start to then you know you come in with back pain I'm not just going to immediately go to glutes it's it's asking the right questions. It's doing the assessments. It's it's working. It's the communicative skills that you need as a person, or a clinician, or a coach, or whatever it is, to understand what's going on in that body. And also, like your process of assessment never stops. No, right? Like yes. never. It's not just like okay, you know, you've done these three highly specific things in front of me. You have now been assessed. We no longer assess. It's like you're assessing that person. All the time. Every single time. Yeah. E- every time they're moving, you're assessing them. Like yeah, every, you should be. You should yeah. be you should be watching and understanding what's going going on with every session. It's different obviously in terms of online, but once again it's like that's part of the check in process that we then created. It's like I watch my clients, like my clients send me every single one of their, their training videos, at least the first set and the last set of every movement. Because it's like their movement is gonna either confirm or deny this little hypothesis that you've developed for yourself yeah it's like the same thing with strength training right like every time you have a training block you should be reviewing reviewing what people do and how they move yeah so that are we yep good yeah we're good (laughs) something of the camera so you know you should be reviewing what people do and how they move so that you are more effectively assessing this like hypothesis of what you think is making them strong too right like you don't just give people programming like my program's the shit you'll get stronger so you should still be assessing constantly what the training response is how they're moving how they're adapting you know are are these numbers moving up the way they should are there any surprises here what needs to be changed yeah it's the uh, i call it my audit process like i audit every single one of my clients programs at the end of their block yep like I go through it, it's like this is like you said the hypothesis of like this is what I expected to happen. How close? Obviously, things change. It's like how close did I get to that? Did I have a complete regression of that? Mm-hmm. Did any injuries come up? Did any niggles come up? Is there things I need to focus on in the next block? It's like because I've had four, six, eight weeks, whatever the program length has been. It's like every week I've done an assessment. Yeah, and that assessment is part of the movement. It's like the it's me watching the movement that they've now gone and 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 performed it's like that's the assessment yeah so you know i think it's like we were talking earlier i think it's it's the slow um it's the slow increase of information in in coaches that are slowly starting to come up it's like i told you i came from safka where yeah i you know i came here and i was like holy shit people know way more than i've ever experienced in my entire life and and the same thing of you when you were kind of overseas um I just hope that that process becomes more and more congruent with coaches or, or mm. more and more available to coaches that we can maybe take the ego, put the ego aside and be like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Please, can I learn from you? 
I, you know, like, I'm not sure that that'll ever fully happen. Like, if social media is a thing, I don't think that'll ever fully happen because there's always going to be someone that wants to be king of the pile. And yeah. then, you know, like, some new ideas are just, like, necessarily grating, too. Like, some new ideas that might actually be pretty bang on, but they're just so foreign and so new to us that we're like, ah, like, no, <laughs> like, that doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. get out of here. And but once again, we get the the conversations on social media where um, things are said to make sure that there's a, sp- uh, any, a certain level of engagement that is said only because it's the opposite view to what is... Yeah, that's right. It's like... <laughs> like it, it's so true. When someone's just like, it's this, you know, it's black, not not white, or it's blue, not red. You're like, okay, well, like, I feel like sometimes... It's, it's yellow. Know, I feel like sometimes it is a little bit red and sometimes it's green and sometimes it's yellow. Like you said, like it's never just like, it's it's not thing, it's thing. And it's like, there's there's some shades here, right? Yeah, like there's some different. nuance here. We can kind of dance between these two things at the very least. I think, unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever be able to really have a true and open conversation about that because it's just, people always want to be right. Yeah. And never wrong, and you should always buy into what I'm saying, and that's it. Yeah, I know. It's just like like the the big thing doing the rounds at the moment, right, is like internal rotation on the squat. It's like, okay. Okay. Like, <laughs> all right. So there's... So it's there's it's only few... taken us 40 minutes to get into. Yeah, so I know, I know. It's shit. like, so you, you have to internally, or the, you don't have to internally rotate. The hip itself has to achieve some degree of internal rotation. At the very least, uh, as you're coming down into the hole of the squat, there should be some degree of internal rotation happening. I'm not saying like jam your knees together. There should be some degree of internal rotation happening. But then everybody's saying you need to continue to internally rotate as you drive out of the hole. And it's like people are like, oh, no, like you, you're always internally rotating. You're just internally rotating less as you're coming out. I'm like, yeah, but that means you're if you're into, you, you can't just be like in internal rotation all the time because then that means you're in relative external rotation. rotation if you're moving slightly out of it. And so it's like, what's wrong with saying that? Don't just be like, no, it's internal rotation. That's it. It's like, but it's clearly not. It's not, like, yeah, it's not. As de- as per definition, if it's not, if it's internally rotated and now it's come out a little bit less, it's like it's gone through. E- yeah, e- but it, exactly. Rotation. Like, it's like if I'm, if I'm heading right. Yeah. I don't be like, oh, now I'm heading left. Less right. right. Yeah, that's I'm like, exactly. I'm heading like, left. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like it's less internal. No, it's yeah, external okay. rotation. Can you imagine <laughs> that, like on Google Maps or something? It's like, okay, coming up 200 meters, turn less right. Yeah, it's less, like, so just, <laughs> what? Right and less right. And you're like, yeah, where, 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 I'm where lost. I, now I'm where, lost. Where am I going? It's yeah, like, and so, car crash. Yeah, and that's what so it is. It's like, you know, if, if you're in the internal rotation camp, you don't want to concede any ground there, and you're like, no, it is internal rotation. I just don't think it matters that much, ultimately, anyway. Uh, you and well, I were talking about it when we were having a coffee. It's like, how did we ever get strong before? Like, how, how did it ever happen? Yeah. You know, I was like, granted, I probably wasn't moving particularly well, but I was still strong when I was younger. And I had never heard of internal, external rotation. It was just like, never get after it. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> just, you know, put the bar not as high up as, as it's for high bar yeah a like <laughs> little, little bit lower down than that yeah. i think uh, when i got taught it, it was it was known as um uh or it was d- described as what's called a power squat is that yeah th- i yeah. feel like i remember hearing do, that do you remember yeah. that it probably was on like a t nation it was, article i think i actually yeah. think it was on a t nation yeah. article it was, it was the power squat and i remember it was written in my book it was always psq yeah. it, was ne- <laughs> it was it was never written out fully it was the power squat and it's like you load that up you your your hips and your knees went back at the same or back and forward at the same time and you went down and you went up. Yep. And then what you would do is you'd work up to a weight and you'd make sure that weight was heavier than the weird yeah. before. <laughs> and that's kind of what happened. And yeah, I, like we we we've said and we've always said it's like there's certain things that deserve a degree of complexity. Yeah. The body well, the body is one of those. You know, like with with the squat especially, and it's like some. At what point is your is is that complexity like you should understand the complexity of the movement, but at what point is your sort of predisposition towards that complexity actually becoming a hindrance to your progression, right? Because eventually it will. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, when when do you become the arbiter of what's optimal or not? Yeah. Like, what's that point? But uh, And also, who are you to say that what's optimal for you is not optimal for me or is optimal for me? Yeah. It's like this I mean, you know, I can... I can look at somebody's leverages and be like, you look better suited to this. Just based on how you look, you look better suited to this particular style. But you're wrong a lot. And I've wrong a lot of times. (laughs) And there's so many times when I look at like someone squatting or deadlifting and I'm just like, that's that that shouldn't be done like that. But you're doing it better that way than we're doing it the right way. So why why who am I to change what's going on from that position? So that leads me to something, I suppose, and it's we we can go into it because I've always wanted to ask you this question. It's like, <laughs> yeah, sure. You bench with your feet very differently to that of what <laughs> I've ever seen. Everyone always brings this and, up. And yeah. the, the only people I've ever seen bench with it and don't take this any bad no. way. It's like super fat, heavy powerlifters who <laughs> <laughs> can't get their feet, and that's okay. not who you are. So, sure. the way I kind of look at it and tell me if I'm wrong, it's from what I can kind of see or understand from it. It's got something to do with a counterforce production in the angle of which you are pushing your feet away with the bar. Uh-huh. Am I on the right type of track from that? Yeah, well, like. Like, you know, you can see me in person, right? Like, I don't have the shortest legs in the world. No, They're you're quite not. long, so... Yeah, you're, not, you're not, you're not, yes. Yeah, you're, you're I'm like a taller dude. And for me to get my, um, for me to get my heels back in, in any capacity requires a tremendous amount of work, but then it's also like, it's creating, um, such movement in my hips, like the, this massive what's that, like sacral mutation or something if we want to get crazy about it. Whatever, it's like creating it, this it massive... Tilts. Yeah, it yeah. Tilts. my hips tilt yeah. forward to the point where I can't actually create like sufficient thoracic extension anymore. It just becomes purely lumbar dominant. Yeah. And it's in no way powerful for me because it's like I've sacrificed stiffness for height. Yeah. And so I'd just simply rather be stiff than higher up with my, my hips, right? Because like my torso isn't actually particularly long. I don't yeah. have an incredibly long torso. No, I have really long legs. Proportionally, it doesn't look right. But yes, yeah. I get what you say, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't have an incredibly long torso. I have very long legs. And it, it just doesn't suit me. Whereas in the more flat foot where I can place my feet further out from the bench... I'm actually just generating this like huge amount of stiffness. My my legs are almost completely locked out and just driving external rotation of my hip with the floor pushing away from me. I can stay very high on my traps there. Um, that That's just like a, a far more, again, like optimal position for me. I can shift. But my definition of optimal at that point is that I can shift way more weight with less discomfort doing that than I, than I can in what people would see as as a more like traditional benching style. Correct. And I think why I then bring it up and what we've just all been talking about, it's like you've gone through the process of trying to understand what works and doesn't work for your body within that situation. Yeah. It's like, so who am I to come along and be like, it's wrong? Yeah. You should bench with your feet further back so that we can create torque and drive through the legs and, you know, we, we can get the right grip width with that and, and match and match. And, match. and it's like, well it doesn't work mm-hmm. because it doesn't work for Sam and Sam's the person that I'm working with right now for yep. that specific movement. In that the same way, right? Like there are people where I will recommend that foot position to. I'm like, that didn't work. So we change it. You know, it's like, I think we need to go wider with you. Um, there are some people, especially like uh, as well, it's like my hip structure. If you look at my hip structure, again, it's like I've got very narrow hips do a hip scour test on me. There's not a lot of external rotation there. Just like ace tabulum just likes to be like train tracks. <laughs> just, just yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's how I squat too. You know, people are like, man, you squat really narrow. It's like, yeah, I do, but it doesn't feel narrow. It feels natural to me. Yeah, but it's also, it's, it's not narrow because if you actually have to have a look where like your whole structure and your hip, your knee kind of sits over your actual your yeah. pelvis. Yeah. It's like, as you say, you don't have a narrow, well, you don't have a wide pelvis. You don't have a, a wide waist. Yeah. It's like, so why would I go and go into a very wide foot stance and disadvantage? Yeah. It's like, I'm completely disadvantaging my force production at that point because I just don't have the structure to support it. No. And, and that's what 
yeah. God gave you all yeah. your, whatever you want to yeah. be. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 how, that's how I'm standing here at yes, least, you know, yeah. whatever. But um, we shouldn't assume that wider is better because sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But I don't create that cue based on an assumption that I have. I'll, I'll cue the person that's in front of me. And again, it's like I might be wrong about that. If I am, be wrong. Be Fix wrong. it up. And, you and know? you know, tying that back into everything that we said, it's like you also know when you're wrong and you also know when you're right. Yeah. And when you're wrong, you're like, cool, what's the next tool in my toolbox that I have that could potentially put me in the position to yeah. make me right for this client? And once I've gone through all of my toolboxes, all of my tools within my toolbox, and I don't know any more of where I'm right, it's like, well, I either upskill myself, I refer out, mm-hmm. or I stand there in front of you as a man and I go, I am wrong. And then go hit the books. And then go right? hit the yeah. books. Yeah, go, and, go and f- and have a couple out. of late nights figuring that shit out. Yeah, and I think that's it's what makes you different. It's what makes the the coaches that we have within our circle and our mm-hmm. environment, I think makes it different and makes us us different in terms of what we do. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting back to benching as well, like ser- seriously, this is one of the things that drives me nuts, right? Yeah. Is like... Opened a can of worms. It's great. Yeah, I know. Look out. When I see like... Just probably any any level of strength coaching, it's like that N equals one. Like it works for me, so it must work for everybody else. There's no chance that I'm going to get uh, like my client Sophie, who is maybe like 5'2 and like 50 kilos. Am I going to get her benching the same way I bench? Like no way. Like clavicle structure, completely different. Like the depth of my rib cage is completely different. My arm length. Like everything. thickness, like literally everything is different. So how could that person possibly bench like me? And so when people like setting up this like heels under, you got to be on your toes, you got to take a narrow grip. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You you, you can don't. do literally anything. It has to make sense. Like don't do something just because that's the way it's always been done. Do it because it makes sense. Yeah. And I think it, it's... It's having the foresight to know when to change and what to change in terms of those those technique changes of those clients or understanding what needs to be changed. And that comes down to like being able to assess your client. Yeah. It's like like you've gone through, you went through it's like you pictured your client perfectly, you pictured Sophie and you're like you you know she's got a small clavicle or, or more uh, a smaller clavicle structure. She's got wider hips, narrow hips. Like you can go through the process yeah. of like okay, this is not going to work. This could kind of rule out this type of idea. Mm. But also in still having those there, it's like I could go back to those and maybe try that with her. Yeah, of course. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah. And it's like, well, let's call the audible. Let's change the play. It's like that. that's what kind of needs to occur or happen as a coach, I think. Instead of just that that one system, this is the one way I bench, this is the one way I squat, it's the one way I do a dumbbell row. Yeah. It's like, there's so many different ways to skin the cat. It's like, why are you just conforming to one and only method? Yeah, I mean, the the you, your expectations as a coach, you should have expectations around, you know, behavior, commitment, ju- just general interaction, communication, you know, how you form relationships with people, be upfront about those. But you should never really have an expectation of how someone should move. That doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't because they're their own individual. Yeah. It's like, you can't tell me how I should walk up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and then I see like yeah. like coaches, like it almost feels like that's the amount of depth or detail they're going into. It's like, I, I understand queuing a client. I understand putting them in certain positions to help them be more optimal or optimize their performance. Yeah. But it's like, there's also a point where it's like the person just needs to move. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I can understand when let's say somebody comes in with back pain, like, oh, you know, I threw out my back uh, picking up a pencil off the floor. Well, then in that situation, I do want to see how they pick the pencil up and then I probably do want to change how they pick the pencil up. Correct. But do I need to do that with everything? Like if if they're like, you know, I've never hurt myself uh, getting cereal off the top shelf, well, then I don't need to change how they do that. You know, it's like that um, funny video 
I can't remember. It was like maybe a year ago and it was like that guy <laughs> opening the fridge and he would like set his shoulder down <laughs> and like open the fridge <laughs> and like d- like getting uh. into his couch and he'd like, you know, like hips back. It was it was so funny. But that's that stuff is just is crazy to me. Like you don't need to fix something that isn't broken. broken. Like just let him go. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I think that's, it ties back into that whole thing. It was like, how did we get strong? <laughs> how did it happen? It's like, I, I didn't know anything about, like you're saying, internal external rotation. I didn't. It's like, I barely knew how to warm up. Yeah. I just knew that I was getting out of the bar and moving. Listen, it didn't do me very well with what yeah. happened to me. <laughs> but it's like... Well, you know, there was like, there's like better ways of doing things for sure. But like you can just make it too complex for people. You know, sometimes people just need to train. And you and I were talking about how we we sort of have this level of complexity uh, in training and you're like, okay, like what's my RPE? Like how much percentage do I have to drop back? You know, what's my stress looking like over the course of the week? And it's like, man, sometimes I just wish I could, you know, get my shaker full of, of Jack 3D, crush that and then go smash some weights around because that's just as valid a component i i don't think we need to over educate or over intellectualize every aspect of strength training we just need to look at what people are doing provide them with solutions and let the rest go like yeah. just train just, just train go, go like train. fix the things that need fixing yeah but don't fix stuff that doesn't, doesn't. Yeah. just train at that point yeah it's it's go have the bro session yeah go go pump some arms do some chest do some shoulders like don't align the fibers correctly don't like it's it sometimes it's like it going so complex into those movements like takes the fun out of it it's like well, that's right you I'm, know it's like we were saying at the start with stew yeah it's like you hyper specialize and th- this is not a negative thing. It's just the next best example. You hyper-specialize, you hyper-focus, and then you put your blinkers onto everything else. Yeah. And so when we're, when we're so sort of movement-obsessed, we, we sort of end up not being able to see the, the forest from, from the, the trees. trees. And sometimes you just got to get strong. You know, sometimes you just got to train and get strong, and there's nothing Some, wrong with exactly. that. Exactly. Sometimes the best cure for for the the problem is to just get strong. Yeah, and it, it's sort of like this preoccupation with movement has almost turned every coach into like the helicopter mum. Like, as soon as something goes wrong, like, oh my god, we need <laughs> to fix it right now. Like, we need to we need to fix it immediately. It's like, no, just like let it play out a bit. Sometimes, you know, like yeah. there are things that need fixing. Yeah, like some things are savage, and it's like. Can't let that happen again. But a lot of it is really low level and you can just let it play out a bit longer and normally it'll, it'll fix get itself. Better. Yeah. It it I've seen ninety percent of those problems fix itself yep. within movement. Yep. It's like keep training. Keep training. <laughs> yeah. Just keep training, just keep getting stronger yeah. and just keep being better. Yep. And I'm not saying that that's the solution to everything. I'm just saying, like, don't feel like you have to jump in and solve every single thing. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good place to leave yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> all right, that's man. That's Sweet. Sam, appreciate coming on. I'll um I'll do, like, an intro and all that stuff for you in the beginning. And yeah, sure. And just, just pump your tires a bit again. Yeah. <laughs> just um, go from there. Um do you want to just tell people where they can find you? Anything you've got? I know you've got some seminars. You've got some internships yeah, coming yeah. up. You can yeah, of course. Do, do, do your spiel and I'll kind of add that in as at, at the end and yep. in the show notes. Um, so you can find, obviously, we're, we're based in Adelaide. Uh, you can find uh, me and my two other coaches uh, on Instagram on Ethos Strength. Um, Facebook, if you're so inclined, you can do Ethos Strength Adelaide. Not sure how many people are on that anymore, but... Um, yeah, we have some seminars coming up uh, in Queensland. So we're doing a seminar in Cairns uh, with our, our um, program called Building the Big Patterns, um, which was really successful in August last year. So we're going to be presenting a, a lot of the ideas that we explored here, um, as well as a lot of stuff around movement and just getting people you know, stronger and training more efficiently. That's um, 
yeah, July, the exact dates escape me right now, but okay. that'll be in Queensland. That, yeah. That's also the one you have online, correct? Or is that, that's Yeah, yeah. So we offer it online as yep. well. And then we're going to be uh, back in Sydney in July. Um, that'll be probably the, the week following. I think that's like July 16 or 17. We'll right. be back. And then our mentorship, uh, our next intake for the 12-week mentorship that we run is the end of May. Okay. So yeah. that's coming up. Guys, it, it, Sam's a great coach. Um, you know, I've had the privilege of knowing him for just about a year now. Yeah, I reckon. About, yeah. A, about a year. Um, and yeah, I can't recommend like his internship enough. He's doing great things with a lot of coaches around the world. Um, and yeah, just get on board, follow him on Instagram and just support him. Yeah, thanks Eves, man. Nice, Sam.